the year when it comes to church. Uh, because every January, I preach on the same thing. And it's four words, and it's what God has called us to do. And I know that, you know, our tendency, even me, I thought, well, already, you know, I mean, we know this, we've heard it. But I'm telling you, we have to be reminded. This is God's plan for this church, these four words. And we're going to spend one week on every word, but I'll, just to give you an understanding, this was spoken directly from God to me. It wasn't someone said, hey, this will be, these will be cool words to use. I didn't sit down and try to come up with all these letters, that, I mean, all these words that start with the same letter. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning with these four words in my spirit. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, I want you to embrace, encourage, equip, and empower people. That's what I've called you to do. I didn't even know we were going to plant a church at the time. That's the first sign about what God was calling me to do. And then he began to open the doors and speak to me about planting a church. But this is what it was. This came straight from God. If we don't do this, we are in direct disobedience to what God's called us to do. So we're going to get into this because it's, this is why we're here. And just so you can briefly understand, we embrace people. We accept them where they are. Then we begin to encourage them. We begin to equip them with the word and the things that they need. Then we empower them. God does all this through us. We empower them to be all that God's called them to be. And then those people begin to go out and embrace people and encourage people and equip people and empower people. And then those people begin to go out and embrace and encourage. And it just rolls over and over and over. So God's called us to embrace people. So let's jump into this first one. Um, today we're talking about what it means to embrace people. Look at Luke ten twenty seven, as we start this morning. Embracing starts with love. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is Jesus' response to summing it all up in, this, in these two commandments, basically. Love the Lord your God with everything that you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've talked about this before, and we're going to reference this again later. But you can truly only love people when you love God. When you receive God's love, and then you return love to God, and you submit yourself to him, then here's what happens. Out of that love, you begin to love people because you're loving people with his love. His love that is now in you is the love. You're just a conduit that the love flows through. But here's the interesting thing about that. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love yourself as well. You have to receive God's love for you and understand your value and your relationship with God and, the, and what makes that healthy. And when you understand how much God loves you and you embrace that and love yourself, then you can begin to let that flow out of you. Because it's going to flow in, God's going to work in you, and then he will work through you. But you have to receive it for yourself. And it starts with love. In John 13, the Bible says, and I think it's 34 or 35, it says, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. You will know or that we're God's disciples by our love for one another. So it's going to be evident the way we treat people. It's going to show our love for God. It's going to show our relationship with God. So let's get into it. Luke 15, 11 through 32. It's a very familiar story, but we're going to read it anyway. 
To illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. A younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all the money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. He began to starve. He, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man, spent, uh, the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. What's the next word? Embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, kill the calf we've been fattening. You must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fat calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you've told me. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but he's now found. So here's the story of the prodigal son, very familiar story. This younger son decides... You know what? I want to go ahead and get my inheritance from my father before he dies. And he gets it. His father gives it to him. He gets it and he runs out on this wild, crazy living. Just blows all the money. It's gone. He just messes his whole life up. Obviously, he gets to a point where he knows I've made a mistake. He comes back home. Thinking he can't come home as a son, he'll come home as a servant. Comes home, his father's waiting on him, his father's on the porch. Runs out, embraces him. Then you see the younger son after the party happens, or the older son. Now he's upset because the younger son went and did all this stuff. And, and he's having a party and the, and the older son's like, hey, I never, you know, I didn't do anything. And why, why do I not get a party? <laughs> boo hoo hoo. Um, but here's what I want us to see in this. There's three people in this that we're going to talk about. And we're going to correlate it with this story, but we're also going to take it a little bit further. So in this story, you have someone who needs to be embraced. You have someone who just went away, did a bunch of bad stuff, stuff he shouldn't have done, and found himself just living with pigs. He found himself dirty, filthy, in a mess. Those are the kind of people that are all around. There's people all around 
They're not literally in a pig pen, but they're in a mess. Those are the kind of people that need to be embraced. And then you have the representation of the father who was quick to embrace. And we're going to talk about being quick to embrace. And then you have those people who struggle to embrace because of other reasons. So in this story, we're going to look at all three of these. What it means to embrace. What about the people that need to be embraced? Those who do the embracing. And why do we sometimes struggle embracing? And we're going to talk about that. Because I'm telling you, for us to fulfill what God's called us to do, Every person that walks in those back doors have to be embraced. It doesn't matter what they got going on. It doesn't matter if they're living right. It doesn't matter if, if all of their beliefs line up with all of ours. It doesn't matter if they have a little odor. It doesn't matter if they're dressed different. None of that matters. Because until we embrace them, we can never encourage them to trust the Lord, to make changes. We have to accept people where they're at because you know how God accepted you? Just like you were. And some of you, listen, you had an odor to you. You had junk in your life. But it never, it never changed God's love for you. Now, when I was youth pastor, I told this story. I can't come up with another story. So this is a youth pastor story. If you don't like it, just know I spent 15 years as a youth pastor. But when the worst part of um, being a dad when kids are babies is the whole diaper thing. That was the toughest part for me. I can love on them. I can feed them. But that whole diaper thing, especially when they start eating real food, it's like that's, not, that's, that's nasty. And there is a, a terrible odor to a full diaper. And I remember the first time Patty left, Zach was little, and he's, he's standing up against the toy thing, and, and Patty leaves. And I said, can you just change him before you leave just to maybe give me a little extra time? That brother waited. <laughs> he held it till his mama left. So all of a sudden, there he goes, just blows up. And you know what? Here's the thing. As much as it was, I didn't like it, it was gross, it smelled. You know what? It never affected. It never affected my love for Zach. And I would get past all of that to make sure he was comfortable. Guess what? Man, we need to come to God with all of our junk, all of our mess. All of our stuff. And you know what he does? He's going to clean us up. He's going to clean us up and he's going to help us get on the right track. But he embraced us for who we are. That's, that's, that's who Jesus is. That, that's who our God is. He loves us that way. We're going to, we have, for us to be obedient, we can't judge people that walk in these doors. We can't judge anything about, well, they're not doing this, they're not doing that well. It doesn't matter what they do. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. But we got to understand the person behind all of it needs to be embraced and needs to be loved. No matter how different they are. No matter how different they are. Everyone, every one of you that can hear my voice right now, you're a gift to this church. You're a gift from God to this church. Even if you don't normally attend here today, because you're here, you're a gift. 
We all have different gifts and we all have different things. And I want you to know you are welcome and you're embraced here. Now, I will say this to your benefit. Every person that I've talked to that visits this church have always said to me, man, your church is so welcoming. Like, I can't even get to my seat before five or six people are asking who I am and how are you and hope you're having a good day. Do you need anything? And my aunt came one time, and, and nobody knew she was my aunt. And she said, did you tell them I was your aunt? And I was like, no. And she goes, because I thought, man, they must really, you know, they must really want Aunt Joanne to be so proud. You know, because they're all coming up. Hey, hey, how you doing? Hey. You know what? She mentioned, they're just very, they just are a loving group of people. Very loving. You guys do great at this. But we have to be reminded because the day is going to come, if it hasn't already, there's going to be people in your life that you don't want to embrace. Because they get on your nerves. But there is no scripture that says, except, <laughs> except, you know, do good to all. Well, except those, you know, those people like, then you can just, yeah, push them away. Because God doesn't do that. We need to learn to embrace. So let's look at how we embrace. First of all, follow God's example. That's where we're starting right now. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The world, that means everybody. And there's a lot of people in this world that are not living for God, that are not pursuing God, that are not in healthy relationship with God, and God still gave his son for them. In Romans, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even without us making a decision to serve him at that moment, he still died for us. He still took all the pain, all the hurt, all the sickness. He took it all so we could be whole, we could be saved, we could be in right relationship with God. And he did it before we ever made a move that way. The Bible goes on to say, and we'll read it later, but it says that it's actually his kindness that draws us to repentance. God was nice to us first. He did something for us first. And we responded to his love. That's how it works. So we got to follow God's example. Secondly is, is be a safe place. You know, when I, when I was talking about being a safe place, in verse 17 of this chapter, it says, this is after he's in the, he's in this, you know, he's with the pigs now. He's, all his money's gone. Even the stuff the pigs are eating now looks good to him. That's the place in life he's at. And verse 17 says, he finally came to his senses, and he said to himself, at home, even the servants have food to spare. So you know what happened? Is you would think, now even though he thought he would go back and be different, there was something safe about going home. Because he didn't think I ruined it. Now he did feel like that he wouldn't have the same position at home. So he was settling there. But reality is he came to his senses and thought it was better there. It's better there than it is here. But what would have happened if he made that decision and went back and he would not have been embraced? Can I tell you there's going to be people that come in these doors that aren't, aren't necessarily coming in to say, hey, I'm here to just serve the Lord. I just want to worship with you guys. That's not what they say. They may come in and say, I don't know what this is, but I'm, I don't like where I've been. I don't like where I've been. 
People are going to come to their senses. I'm telling you, people are seeing right now the world has nothing to offer you. The world has nothing to offer. The, the, the people in this world are seeing that there's got to be something different. There's a lot of people that feel hopeless. They have hope, but they're hopeless right now because they haven't tapped into where their hope comes from. But if we can be a place that will be open and receive people where they are, not to condone, not to say, oh, yeah, we, yeah, it's no problem. We'll compromise in that area. Not in the sense of compromising, but in the sense of, you know what? Where you are right now, God still loves you. And God will do a work in you that will change you. Our job is to start by just embracing people. See, if we stop there and just say, oh, yeah, we embrace you, just live like that all you want. No, we're going to say, listen, we embrace you. But because we're going to love on you, you're going to realize that God's love is so good. You're going to open your life to him, and then he's going to turn it around, and he's going to change you. He's going to make you better because you're going to be open to that because you, you trust him. See, people don't trust you if you don't care about them. People, they're not going to trust what you say. They're not going to listen to what you say if you, if you already don't care about them. But if you can reach out and love them where they are, eventually you'll be able to help them. You'll be able to, you'll be able to, they'll walk with you where you're going. They'll begin to be a little more open to what you have to say because they're seeing something. I'm not saying there's not, I'm not saying that you can't have a stance, but I'm saying some of the ways that I've seen on the news that way that we feel like believers have to take this stand and make sure people know how wrong they are. I don't recall that being that effective. It's not good news to tell people they're going to hell. That's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. You're going to hell is not good news. The gospel is Jesus loves you and he died for you. And what you're trying to, to, to feed and what you're trying to, to, to feel, you're looking in all the wrong places. Your value is actually, it's not in all of that. And you can help lead them to a place of understanding. But it starts with understanding all that God has done for us and making sure that we have a place. See, God's safe. And we need to be safe for people. We want to, this is what I would love for to happen in this church. And it's already happening, but even more. I would love for, for you to go through a struggle. <laughs> I would love for you to struggle. I don't mean it that way. I would love for you, if you're going through a struggle, to be able to go to somebody and say, listen, I'm struggling. Matter of fact, I, 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 would, I would tell you that's what we're called to do. It's to be open that when people would come to us and say, because I know you'll accept me because you embrace people. I want to be honest with you. I'm struggling this area of my life. My wife and I are struggling. My kids are struggling. I've been looking at things I shouldn't look at, and, and I want to get free of that. You know, I've been, I've been doing some things I shouldn't be doing, and I want to get free of that. I've been saying things I don't want to say, and I just, I just want to get free of it. The reason we sometimes don't do that is because, one, we're prideful, 
and we think they're going to look at us different. But if we create a safe environment where you know, hey, I can, I can share this and be okay. You know, if you were here last week, I shared a little bit of the story about Patty and I going and, and meeting with a marriage counselor and just going, just because of the stuff of ministry, we just were, it just, we just, the enemy was attacking us and we were struggling. We weren't to the point, we weren't in some place of we're leaving. It wasn't like that. But we just knew, hey, let's get some help. Ministry's wearing us out in some areas and we're just not getting the right balance. I'm, I'm not finding everything exactly. And I'm telling you, when, when we met and met with this guy, all of a sudden there was this place of safety for me. But when, I, when we did that and the freedom that came from being able to share and be honest and open, then I come back and I'm honest and open with the, the council, the staff, the church. And someone recently just said, you told the church? And I was like, yes. You know why? Because the church embraces me as Scott, as a human, who, who also has to work on things. And in that, it gives other people the opportunity to say, oh, so I can be normal too then. And I can express that I, I sometimes have some insecurity and struggle. Because that's what it, it normalizes and it helps you feel better about being able to be honest when other people are being honest. Because can I tell you, all of us have a tendency to lie. When you walk in the door, how you doing? Oh, good, good. You, were, you and your wife were about driving two cars this morning. Y'all are frustrated, y'all going at it. You come in, oh, hallelujah, bless them, praise Jesus. Come on, baby, let's go sit by me. You know, or, or just job and ministry or, or finances are struggling. And you come in here and sometimes the, the worst thing you can do is just, Ugh. sometimes just be able to say, you know what? Can you pray for me? I got, we're having some financial struggle. Be honest about it. And if you, if it's a safe place, that honesty, you'll get that out and you'll watch that as you understand that, then you're going to have people come alongside of you and say, hey, we're, we're with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to do that. And then what you feel like you've had to tackle by yourself, now you have people that are praying with you and people that are standing with you and people that can encourage you. And in a financial situation, people that can just say, hey, I want to help you. However, but it comes when we can be honest. And there was a safe place. Even though he was going back with a different mindset, he knew I can go back home. I can go back home. So let's keep going. Embrace quickly, verse 20. This is when the father sees him. The father instantly runs out. Do you know what some fathers would do? Mm-hmm. Mm, told you. You realize how good you had it, did you? Come here. Come here. But you know what? You know what that father did? He didn't wait for his son to get to him. He took off to his son. I imagine his son still had a little bit of like, I don't know what I'm going to get when I get home. But he had this mindset that he was no longer a son. He was just going to be a servant, just a hired servant. And his father runs to him, not correcting him, not telling him, see, you jacked it up. Of course you're back. Took my money early. No, he went out and he loved him and he embraced him. 
and he kissed him without even knowing of any change in that young boy's life. He went to where he was. Sometimes embracing people means that you get off the porch of your life and you go where, where somebody's hurting. Sometimes, can I just give you a, a, a natural illustration? Someone's going through a, a rough time. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, man? Come to my church, man. They'll pray for you. You know what you could do? Step off your porch and pray for them. Don't try to wait till they get here. You move. You move in the area outside of your comfort zone and pray for somebody. You want to know what's going to bring so much joy to you is when you'll step out out of your comfort zone and pray for somebody where they're at. The Bible says it's more blessed to give to the receive. And when you give to someone like that, it's going to bless you. But the father went to where his son was, didn't wait for you to get to this place. We got to embrace people even when they're just coming, just starting the journey back or just starting the journey to relationship with Jesus, the very beginning stages. I'm not saying we go to them and we compromise and live in their world. That's not what I'm saying. You don't have to do drugs to relate to a drug addict. Well, hey, bro, I just love Jesus, man. Hey, right here with you, all things, all people, right? That's not what it is. But you can go down, you can go to them and don't wait for them to get free and change and all this stuff to say, listen, even in that struggle, bro, God loves you. And I want to pray with you, man. I want to help you. I want to help you. Love people where they are. The father took off to his son. Listen, the father was the one that he took the money from and, and blew. Even though it bothered, I'm sure it hurt him to see his son do that. He didn't let his pain and his hurt stop him from reaching out and embracing his son when his son came back. And that's what we need. We need to embrace him. And we need to do it quickly. Look at Romans 14, verse 1. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. See, sometimes we think we got to fix them. That's not, listen, it's not your job to fix people. Matter of fact, if you want to fix somebody, fix yourself. Because if you think you need to fix other people, that means you're broke. So fix yourself and then you get them to God and God will fix them. Let's go to the next one, Romans 15. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. How did God accept you? Just the way you were, right? Just the way you were is how God accepted you. And that's how we accept others. The fourth thing, look past the stuff and see the person. See, here's the part that I think is so good. The son comes back and he said, you know what? Dad, I messed it all up. And I'm sorry. And I know I messed it up. I've sinned against you and against heaven. And you know what? I'm not even worthy to be your son. So I just, if I can just be with the servants, because you take care of them. But I'm not asking for this place back where I was. I'm just saying I'll, I'll settle down here because I messed up. You know what the father did? The father looked past all the stuff. The father looked past the spending all the money on the wild living and said, listen, but you know who you are? You're my son. And you'll always be my son. So you're not coming back as a servant because I'm not basing 
who you are on what you just did. I'm basing it on the truth. And the truth is, you're my son. And you're going to come back as my son. The people that, this is what I'm realizing, only because of what God's done in me. Because when, when Patty and I went away back in November, one of the things I realized is how much stuff I bottled up to try to be strong for everybody. And then I realized how painful that can be. And I realized how, how um, unrealistic that is. For you to think that you'll never, you don't have to, you know, nothing ever bothers you. I got so good at burying stuff, I honestly thought nothing ever bothered me. Until all of a sudden it all came out and I thought, there's a lot of stuff bothering me. And I didn't know. But once I opened it up, it's like, you ever have one of those roots in your yard? You go to pull it up and it's, you just keep pulling. It goes all across your front yard and it's connected like three houses down. I mean, it's like, what in the world? That's kind of what happened. I realized there's stuff that I never realized all that stuff bothered me. But you know what happened? And I talked about this a few weeks ago. I am now a lot more empathetic towards people because I realize some people just don't know. They're carrying stuff, and, and they've, they've had to bury stuff because we have this false thing in Christianity that we have to be so strong and that we can't, act, we, can't, we can't struggle. We have to make sure that we say everything right and do everything right when realistically the Bible says it's actually your weakness and where God's strength flows from. So if we can acknowledge, hey, you know what? I have some stuff. I have some stuff I struggle with. But because I have God, his strength is able to work in those situations, and I walk out victoriously. But all of us have had moments of concern or, or worry or anxiety towards something, and we don't give in to it and just sit there and lose it, but we can say, you know what, it's real. this is what I'm feeling, God. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling anxious about this situation. And it's then that we can recognize that, that God does something out of that. So for for... For us to realize, for me, being more empathetic or sympathetic towards people is because now I know, listen, behind all the stuff, there's a person who's struggling. Behind the, the frustration, behind the, the harsh words or behind the, the, the disrespect, behind all that stuff, there's someone who's hurting back there. When I was youth pastor and there was, there was times where I saw these kids and they were all... You know, they always had to be tough. They always wanted to, you know, pride, and they always wanted to be cool in front of the other youth. And, but all of a sudden, sometimes you get somebody aside, you start really talking to them, and they begin to break down, and you realize, you know what? This kid that everybody thinks is the worst kid ever is actually a kid who nobody knew at home. All the stuff that was going on in that young man's life and the abuse and the neglect. And we look at the exterior, and we're like, oh, you know what? Until you get your life together, bro. We just label them, and God's saying, look, I'm not saying that you just let people do that. There's times, yeah, there's times you have to have a boundary around, around what you accept and don't accept. If you're a parent, you don't just let your kids disrespect you all the time and say, well, I love you anyway. You know, sometimes there's a line. Listen, my kids, they disrespect, they get in trouble, but I still embrace them. But here's, here's, here's the place we got to be is we got to make sure we look past the stuff and see the person because that person is part of the world and Jesus died for that person 
Jesus loves that person. And you'll never change them if you won't love them. You'll never lead them if you don't love them. It's got to start with embracing people where they are. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, God, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. See, God, he didn't look at all of our stuff. Because if we're, if we're not good, if God, God doesn't love us because we did all the right things, which means he doesn't stop love us when we don't do all the right things. Because you know what? He looks at our hearts. He knows down deep what's going on. And that's why there's, about, there's times that the Bible says he was moved with compassion because he saw people that were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. He, he wasn't looking at every little thing they were doing. He was saying, listen, these people are lost. They don't know what's going on. And there was times the disciples wanted to just get everybody out, like just get rid of these people. But Jesus had compassion. He said, listen, they need, they need, they need this. So we got to embrace People and look past the stuff. And then remember, it's the love of God that changes people. Romans 2, 4. And it talks about that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. God's kindness leads us to repentance. You know how a lot of people really make some strong changes in their life? When they understand how much God loves them. Because when you know when you really know how much God loves you, you want to live for him. I mean, think about it. This isn't even really love. I mean, it is, but not God's love. But think about, for those who are married, think about when you first met your spouse. You first started dating. Look at, think of all the things you did to please them. I mean, think about you. You know, you're, you dress a little you dress, you know, you cologne, you you spiced up, you know, you like take them to a nice dinner. You know, I mean, that's how I was like, hey, how you doing? Trying to be all professional, open doors, right? And then, you know, now, 20 years later, you're wearing your bathrobe around the house. Hey, baby, you know what you You know, squirting whipped cream in your mouth and just everything's totally different. She's opening the door by herself. You're like, hurry up, we're late, you know. Whatever. But just think about that. Think about the first time, that, how much you wanted to be. Why? Because you, there was an attraction. You loved her. You liked her a lot. He liked you a lot. Whatever. And you want to please him. Especially as a youth pastor. It was hilarious watching that stuff. I mean, it was all about just, <sighs> life is miserable if they broke up. We dated for six hours and he dumped me. But you know what? I think about my relationship with God, and I know how much he loves me. I think, man, why, why would I not want to please him? I want, I want to spend all of my life with him. He's been so good to me. I want to please him because I know he's taken care of me. He's been faithful to me. But see, we think that if we do everything, then God will move in our life. But reality is, when we just understand our relationship with God, then we'll do the things. It'll come as fruit of our relationship. So when we're sitting there talking about how we can embrace other people, we realize, you know what? God embraced me to the point that I gave my life to him because I understood his love. 
because I understood his love for me that I thought, you know what? I don't have to have everything together. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to know. God basically says, listen, if you'll receive me, I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I'll send you a helper. Your whole life will be different. I'll provide everything that you need. If we were to embrace people the way God embraces us, you know what we would do? We would say, hey, you know what? We're here to help you. And we're going to get into this next week when we talk about encouraging because encouraging means we walk alongside them. But we can't do that until we embrace them. Because they're not going to want to walk with you if you don't like them. Right? You ever intentionally said, I want to go on a walk with someone. Let me pick somebody I don't like. No, you don't ever do that. We walk with people that we like. Now, look at this last part. Hindrances to embracing. Look at verse 28. We'll read verses 28 through 31. The older brother was angry. This is when the son comes home and they throw a party. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him and replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Here's the reason. There is several things. There's several reasons, and we probably don't even have them all listed. But there's reasons why we struggle to embrace And sometimes it comes down to the fact that we don't even embrace ourselves. That's the first thing. If you you can't love yourself, you can't love other people the way the Bible tells you to. Because the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't like yourself, you're probably not going to like your neighbor. If you struggle thinking you're not worthy, then you're not going to think your neighbor's worthy. Because you're looking at everything based on performance. If you do everything right, if if you're measuring up. And sometimes we're so difficult on ourselves, but what happens is the way we judge ourselves sometimes, the way we treat ourselves, we end up treating other people the same way. We have to understand God loves us. We love him, and then because of his love in our life, we have to love ourselves so we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Do you know what you ought to say in the morning when you look in the mirror? You ought to. Patty makes fun of me, but I do it. I'm like, man, you're awesome, bro. Patty's over there like, oh, geez, there he goes. But you know what? Sometimes I don't do that to be prideful, like, oh, I am just, you know, I don't do all that. But I tell myself, you know what? Man, you're awesome. God made you. And then I can, I can leave that place and go to other people and say, you're awesome. God made you because he did the same thing for me. That's why when you receive the love of God, you can give the love of God. You can't give somebody something that you don't have. Even though people have tried, you just can't. If I ask you for 20 bucks and you don't have it, you can't give it to me. Right? But if you have it, then you can give it. So if you have the love of God flowing out of in your life, and you receive that for yourself, you can give it to other people because you understand. You understand God's goodness towards you. 
Another thing is comparing yourself. Here's what I think is funny. He, he was looking at the way he lived his life and the way the son lived his. He was comparing this whole party thing. And even, even the last point there, it goes with the same thing where it says refusing to see your own stuff. Here's this young or this older brother who is actually saying he's the older brother. And he actually says to his father, listen, I have been by you all the time. And I've always done everything you say. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I have three kids. There ain't one of my kids that can say I have been by your side the whole time, Dad. I've always done everything you said. Because you know what? That's not true. That's not true. But what happens is sometimes we have this superior mindset that I don't think it's on purpose. But sometimes we act like, well, you know, we, it, we're going to humble ourselves and love them. Because, you know, we're... God, I've been with you for years. God, I've always obeyed what you said. And sometimes we actually, there are people that because of their journey, and they've been with the Lord a long time, but we can never get to the point that we don't realize, wait a minute, even in my struggles, God's been faithful. But if we don't even recognize our own stuff, we're not going to be able to embrace other people because we're going to constantly think that we're here and they're here. And you know what that does to people? It makes them feel like I can, I can never make it. I have to get here in order to be embraced. I have to get here in order for God to do anything. And here's the good part. And by no means am I saying let's rejoice in all of our struggles and weaknesses. But here's what I am saying. If we were to be completely real and honest with people, as believers, we're still here. Because we all still have struggles doesn't mean we give in to them and that we're, we're doing bad things. It just means, realistically, we still, have to, we still have to stand on the word. We still have to believe what God's saying even when we're struggling, even when we feel. You know, I am, I've been a Christian for all my life, basically. I gave my life to the Lord at six years old. Did I have struggles and through high school? And, yeah, but you know what? I've always loved God. But there are still moments in my life I find myself where fear would, would grip me for a second or an insecurity or uh, God are you going to come through I'm trusting you please come through I'm going to look so stupid if you don't come through because I said that you said and if you don't do it then I'm going to look like you didn't really say it but you and I know you said it and you have those conversations and God's always been faithful but does that mean I never have a, a worry or a fear? No. But here's what happens when you acknowledge, acknowledge that, not acknowledge it like, yeah, I'm just, I don't have it all together. But when you realize I struggle sometimes too, do you know what that does for people who need to be embraced? They realize, so there's hope for me? You mean even for you as a believer, you still sometimes aren't perfect? Right. But the difference is, in my weakness, his strength works. So for you, all you have to do is acknowledge that same thing, but give Jesus the opportunity to lead your life. And then he'll take your weakness and turn it into a strength. He'll do amazing things through you because you've now normalized for other people 
that you don't have to be at some level of maturity for God to use you. You know, God spoke through a donkey in the Bible. Do you know that? A donkey. Not a saved donkey. Just a donkey. God, listen, God, this is, this is the part that I think we have to remember. For us to do this, it's only going to be through God. God is going to do this through us. And if we let God's word and God's love flow through us, we're going to accept people where they are. And we're, gonna, we're not going to be quick to judge and quick to throw stones and quick to say, yeah, yeah. Because remember that passage where Jesus said all the people that were going to stone the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus said, you know what? Whoever doesn't have any sin, you throw the first one. And everybody began to drop their rocks and walk away. According to the customs of the land, they could have stoned her. But everybody, when Jesus said that, they all started dropping their rocks. Jesus could have picked one up. He was without sin. But he didn't do that. So even if you are perfect, which you're not, but even if you were, Jesus still didn't use that to go against her. He, and here's the part about that story I think is so amazing to me. I'm going to come down here and tell you this part. There's nowhere in that story where that lady stopped, repented of her sins. You know that? She didn't stop and repent and then Jesus say, okay, now that you repented, now that you made the right choice, now you go and be free. They weren't like, repent or die. They dropped the rocks and Jesus said to her, woman, where are, the, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone. And here's what he said. Jesus, perfect son of God, said, I don't condemn you either. Go and be free. Be free. I guarantee you her life was changed that day. Because of the love of God, not because of how dare you, wicked, evil. What a horrible thing. What a hor. No, no. Was it wrong? Yeah. Did she know it was wrong? Yeah. Did everybody else know it was wrong? Yes. Did Jesus think it was wrong? Yes. He wasn't condoning it. But he was saying, listen, you know how you're going to be free? When you understand the love of God, because the love of God is going to draw you to repent. And she experienced it that day. In your worst decision, in the most horrific thing you could do, I'm forgiving you. Go and be free. And she was. What if we did that? What if we accepted people, even even people that we know have just done some really Horrible things. And we say, listen, you know what? I struggle too. I can't throw a stone. may not be that area, but I don't have it all together. And that's, that's the part where I know there's this, 
balance. So we're not, we're not out just saying, hey, do what you want to do. Live like you want to live. Because Romans 6 says, don't ever use grace as a reason to sin. So this is not condoning live like you want. But it's saying to really see people free. Let me just say it to you this way. You'll never be able to equip and empower people if you can't embrace them. So the beginning stages of grace, and it seems like we're just condoning, but we're not. What we're doing is we're loving them where they're at. But here's the thing. As we embrace them and they're going to experience this love of God they've never experienced before, the next step, we begin to encourage them. We begin to walk with them. We begin to talk with them. Then we begin to get them in the Word. We begin to just point them to Jesus. They begin to be equipped with the things they need to make whatever changes they need to make. And the end result is you have someone empowered to do what God's called them to do. They put all their old stuff aside because when Jesus gets a hold of your life, all things become new.